I am the enemy within. I am the boss of your dreams. No, I am not the law in your mind, the grandfather of watchfulness. I am the law of your members, the kindred of blackness and impulse. See, your hand shakes. It is not palsy or booze. It is your doppelganger trying to get out. Beware. Beware. Rumpled Stiltskin by Anne Sexton. Most of us have heard this before. Hey, I saw your doppelganger the other day. I thought it was you for a moment. That is what the word doppelganger means today. Another person that looks similar to, but still distinct from, yourself. A twin stranger. However, in folklore, the original meaning is much more sinister. The doppelganger is a harbinger of doom, and seeing your own ghostly double might just mean certain death. Tonight, we witness these enigmatic evil twins for ourselves on this episode of Snipe Hunt. Welcome back to Snipe Hunt, your frightening folklore podcast. I am the psychic projection of the host known as Darren Young. And I am your host who happens to look just like you, dear listener, Gary Clevenstein. And tonight we are talking about the ultimate evil twins, doppelgangers. Doppelgangers. And we're back after an unplanned hiatus that we took (laughs) for no real reason. But here we are. And I can finally confirm that Trevor did, in fact, leave us a review on Spotify. So everyone, if you like what you hear, follow his example and leave us a review so that the magical algorithm can see that and we can grow in listenership. And you will get a shout out. Shout out. Yeah. For some reason, I went into uh, William Shatner. I just I just (laughs) stuck with that. So. We also have a listener email to read at the end of the show, so be sure to stick around for that, as those are few and far between. This was a Patreon, Patron, Patron, I always have such a hard time saying Patron. that. Patron voted episode, so make sure to send us episode suggestions, and then go vote for them over polls on Patreon. Uh, Darren's really good about keeping up with that stuff. Uh, we will Somewhat. also. Be, well, I know, but you still do it, so that's good. We will also be choosing the next episode based on our Patreon, 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 Patreon mm-hmm. yep. votes at the end of this episode. So stick around for that for sure. Yep. If you donate on Patreon, you are a patron. Mm. But yeah, this is a, this is a Patreon voted episode as will the next quite a few episodes be. So if there's one you want to see more than the other, go vote now. If you haven't figured it out already, since we sound different, uh, we are recording remotely gary is down in fabulous fort smith oh, in a hotel mm-hmm. and he loves it and he loves his job and how ma- how many hours he's worked how, how many so how much, much did you work today gary uh, what is that like uh seven, seven, <laughs> right around almost 14 hours oh that's yeah. fun yeah and it's then you a- sat down to record this episode yeah yeah <laughs> well, so, but but we've We've pushed it off long enough. It needs to happen. Yeah, it's true. It needs to happen. So it's happening. And with nothing more to say, let's get into it. As always, we start with the definition. 
Now, many of us may be familiar with the term, but let's go ahead and see exactly what a doppelganger is according to the folklore. Definition man, it's all you. Oh, well, thank you, Darren. (laughs) Doppelganger is a German term that translates to double goer or double walker. It is a more recent term that is used to describe a paranormal phenomenon in which a person sees a ghostly double of a living person. These doubles are usually portents of bad luck or even a warning of the imminent death of the person portrayed in the ghastly visage. It is also used in slang to describe a person that looks similar to another. I think this is a term that we've all heard of before. And Can you confirm that you've heard this term? What doppelganger? You've heard, you've heard doppelganger before, right? Oh yeah, a bunch. And I and like yeah. I said earlier, like you've probably heard this before. Hey, you, I saw your doppelganger, and yeah, yeah I'm actually exactly. the one that says that quite a bit. <laughs> it's a very, it's yeah, it's a very common slang term that's actually you know has its roots in this folklore. So as for actual doppelgangers, folklore doppelgangers, we're not quite sure what they are. Uh, Most folklorists and uh, witnesses agree that they are more ghostly or spiritual in nature, not flesh and blood, as opposed to the, hey, I saw a guy that looked like you the other day version. So not exactly like the evil twin twope, evil twin twope, but pretty close. But to refer to the slang term, have you ever been told that you have a doppelganger or that you've ever been mistaken for someone else? You're asking me? I'm asking you. (laughs) Oh, um, I have not, um, I've not been told that some people, they have, they've never said that they saw my exact replica, but yeah. they have, well, I take that. I guess it would be a doppelganger. Have you ever been they asked me if I was like else? a high school. Yeah. Like if I was a teacher at the high school, <laughs> which hurt that, that, that hurt deep. Yeah. Cause You're at like, the do time, I give off that vibe? Was, yeah, not only that, but at the time, I don't think I was, I didn't feel like I was old enough to be a teacher at the high school i mean there's some young teachers and there are grad students that show up and you know substitute you're right for sure do you know what what you were teaching (laughs) i do not okay i don't i don't remember that much okay if you could pick one class to teach i know we're getting off the rails but what would you teach drama yeah that would be fun yeah that would be a cool one i'd probably pick the same thing it just sounds like the most fun thing to teach well, I was going to say math, but then I realized that would be <laughs> stupid to say because I, 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 I'm not strong on math either. I would definitely pick either drama or some kind of science, maybe biology. Yeah, I'll just I'll just be a, a substitute teacher. You know, how you always had that 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 cool substitute. <laughs> yeah. You know, who smoked weed out back? Yeah. Yeah. You just pull the, the cart, the cart with the TV on it. So, yeah. All right. Exactly. That's what we're doing. <laughs> well, you play it on your phone. Yeah, exactly. I just got a text from Susan saying I'm dramatic. She's not wrong. So <laughs> I, I think that's in reference to the drama teacher thing. Right. So uh, we'll give her a little. Uh... There you go. You got the sound effects. Nice. Okay. Anyway, so with all my topics, I try to find books on the Amazon Kindle store that I can use as sources because I'm OG. I don't just use the Wikipedia page. I do use the Wikipedia page, but not just the Wikipedia page. Doppelgangers are unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, depending on your perspective, extremely prevalent in fiction, mainly because they make a great literary device to discuss the duality of human nature. So I legitimately could not find any nonfiction sources for this, not even one. 
Although I did find a surprising number of erotic novels about doppelgangers, including one cleverly named Doppelbanger. Yes. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, you have the whole series yes. sitting on your shelf? There's six volumes, and uh, I'm still missing the sixth one. So it just really is. Is that why you're actually year. in Fort Smith to find the sixth Doppelbanger I mean, novel? No, actually, I'm filming it. It's a fan oh. film. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> this is a pretty right. nice hotel, dude. I bet. I bet. Did you find someone who looks exactly like you or or what? <laughs> <laughs> that, I didn't need not I did not need that image. You said you were filming Doppelbanger. Here so, I was making Here making we are. Love to myself. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, let's get into the history of it. Uh, the concept of a spiritual double may trace back to one of the world's oldest religions, Zoroastrianism, an ancient Persian monotheistic belief featuring the good god, Ahura Mazda, and his twin, the evil counterpart, Ahriman. Is that what the dude was saying in uh, that one Indiana Jones movie when he pulled out the heart? Boom, 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 boom. Honestly, I haven't seen those. You haven't seen any? Oh, my God. <laughs> I have not. Gary. What? Okay, moving on. Uh, this doctrine was big on spiritual dualism and the binary division of good and evil. There is no real one-to-one comparison in Zoroastrianism to doppelgangers, but I did find the belief in Zoroastrianism that every person has a spiritual patron called a fav- mm, fravashi, which is unique to that person as it is the higher essence of that particular person. So basically a double of your soul but of a more heavenly stature than your earthly soul. So basically you have uh, your own little angel-like being that's just another version of you up in heaven looking down on you, watching you make all the mistakes. (laughs) Next, we return to ancient Egypt. We will never get out of ancient Egypt uh, for the upteenth time to talk about one of the seven aspects of the human soul. Last time we talked about the soul aspect, shut or shoot the shadow. Uh, In episode 29, which was about shadow people. This time we'll be talking about the aspect Ka, the vital essence, which is the easiest to understand as it is extremely similar to our modern concept of the soul. The Ka was a spiritual double of oneself that resides within the physical body and would leave the body upon death. So basically a soul. The Ka was even able to travel independently when the host body was asleep, sort of like astral projection. In death, the Ka would still need to be sustained with food and drink, and so edible offerings were made to the dead, and it was believed that the dead would consume the spiritual aspect of the food. So yes, even food and drink has a spiritual double. The Ka was often depicted in hieroglyphs as a smaller double standing next to the person the Ka belonged to, like a many-me of sorts. May Vern Troyer rest in peace. Still can't believe he's gone. I know. But not forgotten. Never forgotten. But let's head to Ireland. 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 No, no. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. We're going to head to Ireland to talk about some fairies, specifically the changeling, which we've talked about before. Yes, we have mentioned the changeling before. Mm -hmm. Uh, The changeling would take the form of a human infant, and other fairies would go and steal away a human child and replace it with this fae imposter. The fairies would steal away a child for several reasons, ranging from malicious motives such as forced servitude, breeding stock to ensure good fairy genetics, 
to deliver to the devil for some reason, or even quote good unquote uh, unquote word, right? <laughs> yeah. Unquote whatever. Yeah, sure. Intentions like raising the human baby in a more loving family. In rare cases, an elderly pixie was the changeling and lived out its elderly years being coddled by humans. Sometimes the human children were returned and sometimes they weren't. I I love the concept of, oh man, grandpa's really going downhill and really needs to be looked after. We need to put him in a home. So they like steal a baby from a human family and just replace him with grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Who for some reason is in the form of a baby or a toddler. Yeah, so human houses were fairy nursing homes. The more you know. (laughs) So how do you know if your child is actually your child or a fairy doppelganger? Well, usually the imposter child will exhibit strange traits such as being sickly and not growing in size. Might have physical characteristics such as long teeth, a huge head or neck, or even a beard. And it might possess uncanny insight of knowledge beyond its years hey you know i was thinking um oh no that's never a good sign i know so this made me think when it says that the uh not growing in size i learned something yesterday and i still kind of don't believe it yeah but a guy i work with was talking about his daughter like crushing her finger in like a wood like a, a heavy door sure and he said that the doctors were afraid that she crushed her growth plate okay apparently something in your finger that you can crush and then your finger will no longer grow like if you're like six years old and you crush it like your finger will never grow what to adult size what i know i call bs i call that's crazy but he did google he did google me pictures and and they look absolutely ridiculous but whatever <laughs> i mean it, that would be awful could you imagine well i'm like, just trying to I think like what like they're the growth plates like i mean i guess it makes sense because your your bones have to grow so if you crush what makes them grow then they wouldn't grow <laughs> but Right. I guess I just didn't understand what made them grow. <laughs> I thought they just grew. I thought it was just what it was. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you don't you don't consider yourself a phalange expert? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Whatever. Phalangeologist, anyway. if you will. That's that's the real term, right? I, I your <laughs> guess is as good as mine, buddy. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the more you know. I need to find you put that sound effect in here now, I guess. There were methods of forcing the changeling to expose itself and return your child. Uh, some methods included confusing the changeling by boiling eggshells, beating sure. the changeling. That always works yeah. with anybody almost. Um, <laughs> or attempting to put the changeling in an oven. It's, that uh, usually works too. It's very difficult to do though. Yeah. I, from what I read, it didn't sound like they would actually like put the baby in the oven. They would just go, oh, oh. Oh, get like real close and like oh unfortunately belief in fairies and paranoia was strong in western europe and often resulted in actual child abuse yeah i I can see that it's like they actually put children in ovens oh my my baby isn't latching or my kid is eating his food time to go in the oven at 350 for 15 minutes time to go in the oven (laughs) but yeah i i imagine this resulted in a lot of abuse of poor disfigured children and uh likely the death of some but anyway 
let's uh let's talk about something a little bit more uh i don't know wholesome probably not but let's hop on over to scandinavia and discuss their fandom phenomenon known as the vardulger vardulger which are described as quote reverse deja vu vardulger almost acted as harbingers of those it's imitating witnesses will sense the subject's footsteps voice scent appearance or even just their overall demeanor before that person ever arrives physically so it's like i get the feeling that gary's about to walk into the room and i, or I might even see gary out of the corner of my eye I look up and you're, you're not there but then like five minutes later you then you walk into the room so that I would mean hate, i just I witnessed your <laughs> your vardoger uh <laughs> the finnish call this ghostly double oh man I, look, I looked at pronunciation of this when I first researched, but I have not sent. So I'm going to go with a tynan, which is an impression that goes ahead of a person doing things the person in question later does. For example, people waiting at home might hear the door close or even see a shadow or a silhouette only to realize that no one yet has arrived. So it's kind of the same thing as a Vardoger. This Vardoger slash a tynan is still something that is reported quite frequently in paranormal circles. People often think they hear their spouse arrive home, opening the door and calling out to them, only to find that the spouse is still at work or somewhere else far from home. This is often attributed to hauntings, as most people are unaware of this reverse deja vu. That's never really happened to me. I've never really been. I never really thought Susan got home and then she wasn't home. And then I, she I, got I, home. The, the <laughs> whole term reverse deja vu is, is throwing me off. Right. Well, it's like, well, deja vu is like something I felt like I've experienced before. And reverse deja vu is, is an experience of something that's yet to happen. Oh, okay. But I guess that means when the person arrives, that is technically deja vu because you've experienced this phenomenon before. But But you're experiencing them getting home before they even get home. Yes. You have, you have, you hear something, you see something, you smell something. You're like, oh yeah, I heard the door close or, and that's not the only example. That's just like the easiest example right. of like, yeah. But, but then a few minutes later, or maybe a couple of days later, then that thing happens the exact same way you experienced it before. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Staying in the same location, but turning back the clock, let's take a look at a spirit from Norse mythology known as a filgia, a spirit that would take shape upon the birth of a child. Filgia means, quote, to accompany, but can also refer to the afterbirth of a child. Wonderful. Uh, Filgia can take on the form of animals such as mice, dogs, cats, foxes, birds of prey, or carrion eaters, and the form would depend on which creature would eat the aforementioned afterbirth. Mmm. Tasty. Uh, Speaking of that, I saw a TikTok the other day of a dude dude eating the placenta Mm. after his child was born. Yeah, I think that's Let's what I'd share that with you. I'm glad to know of your TikTok activities. Of course, there were different beliefs in which the spirit would take on the form of other animals, such as ox or boar, depending on the alleged nature of the child, making it similar to a spirit animal. But as the shape-shifting specter's name reveals, it would accompany a person and be connected to that person's fate or fortune. Filgia would most often appear to people in their dreams, but sometimes while they were awake. And sometimes they would appear to their person in human form. Although nothing I could find mentioned them taking on the appearance of the person they were accompanying. So who knows what the human form would actually look like. Uh, the main takeaway from this is that seeing your filgia, either while dreaming or awake, was an omen of bad fortune to come. Or even death. Basically a spirit animal that accompanies you. Gary, what's your spirit animal? Or your filgia? 
What would eat your afterbirth? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a boar. Yeah. 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 Why is Actually, that? I have a friend on uh, on Facebook who has a, a pig. It's its face is so fat, like you can't even see its eyes. I'm thinking <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> so it's, it's got like fat rolls like in, over in its eyes. Form, yes. Yes. <laughs> and every opportunity it gets, it, it lays down. Yeah. I think that I is think my that's... spirit event. That my frigia. Frigia. Fugia. Fugia. Yeah. I'm not sure what mine would be. I like to think of a bull being my spirit animal. Not that I have really, really have anything in common with bulls, but I've just been really drawn to the imagery of like bull heads and horns and stuff. I mean, I am a Taurus, so maybe that's part of it. And but then my like my favorite football team has a bull head for a logo, and then my favorite band has a, like a horned head for a logo. So I've just always been drawn to that imagery. But more likely, I'm I'm probably in the same boat as you. I'm I'm that pig, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe a cat. I don't know. I'm not sure what would eat my afterbirth. Returning back to Ireland for our last doppelganger comparison, let's talk about the Fitch. Uh, the Fetch, in essence, is just a doppelganger. A supernatural double of a living person. And seeing this terrible twin was an omen of impending doom. Although, as yet another example of duality in folklore, if one spotted their fetch in the evening, it was instead a sign of a long life ahead of them, as opposed to the unluckiness of seeing it, I guess, any other time. Folklorist Christina Hole recounts the brief tale of the British historian Sir William Napier in her book, Haunted England. Napier, quote, stopped at an inn while traveling from Bedfordshire to Berkshire. When he was shown his room, he saw a corpse lying on the bed. Upon further inspection, he was astonished to see that the corpse was himself. Shortly after arriving in Berkshire, he died. So hmm. not, a, not, a, not a very good story, but a story nonetheless. I'm trying to imagine that. I walk in this hotel room. There's a dead dude on the bed. You look up on it. It's you. That sounds it's like a great like short horror film. Like That's, a, it sounds like, very Edgar Allan Poe-ish. It sounds like something straight out of his short stories. Like a moment of self-reflection. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Steep. See, that's how no, that's how doppelgangers are used in in fi- fictional literature all the time of like looking at oneself, the duality of oneself. So there you go. You get it. Every time you think of, every time you say that word, I think of Slipknot. Push yeah. my fingers into my eyes. <laughs> it's the only thing. I couldn't. I was gonna start singing it, but I honestly don't know the lyrics. I can just Bruh, leave it to the metal vocalist to, to, to awfully sing. To awfully sing Slipknot. Now, before we head into the alleged doppelganger accounts, let's briefly go through some theories about what these creepy replicas could be. Then we can apply these theories as we go along. That's right. The theory section is at the top of the episode. We're switching it up. So the first theory is that the doppelganger is a ghostly entity that takes on the form of a living person. This seems to be the most commonly accepted one amongst paranormal enthusiasts and folklore alike, I guess. The only motive we can see for the entity is to either warn of an upcoming tragedy, as with most cases, or possibly even just to mess with the person it is imitating. Whether or not this entity actually has any intelligence or agency of its own is unclear. It could very well be that these doubles are the soul, or a part of the soul of the person themselves, as they most often appear to the person being imitated. 
The second theory is that this phenomenon is a psychic ability called bilocation. As the name suggests, this is an ability to be in two different places at the same time. The double resulting from this can seemingly have a physical body like its host, but most often the body is ghostly or spiritual in nature. The person involved never intentionally creates the psychic projection of themselves, but it might just happen subconsciously. That would be a cool little ability to have, just be in two places at once. Dude, I would do that every single day at work. Right? Get so much more work done. I am dying for a flipping (laughs) day off, bro. I just want a day off other than the weekend. Just because you work like over 80 hours a week, that doesn't mean you get to be lazy, Gary. I know. (laughs) I know. That's Um, what my boss says. You can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) Uh, This last one isn't really a theory, but more of an alternate explanation. A psychological disorder known as the syndrome of subjective doubles, which is a rare delusional misidentification syndrome in which a person experiences the delusion that they have a double or doppelganger with the same appearance, but usually with different character traits. That is, leading a life of its own. So this might be the actual evil twin. Symptoms of this disorder include the patient insisting the double that they are seeing is real, despite contradictory evidence, paranoia, and impairment of spatial visualization ability. This disorder often manifests along with others, such as schizophrenia, or with other delusional misidentification syndromes, such as Capgras syndrome, which is a delusion that a friend, spouse, parent, or other close family member, or even a pet has been replaced by an identical imposter. Insert Among Us jingle here. Gary, are you there? Are you still alive? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was talking, but I was muted because I'm <laughs> stupid. I asked you if you had it, if you had it on the, the, the soundboard. I do not. Oh, jeez. I know. Sorry. I've come. Well, I, didn't, I don't think about these things until they happen. I can't complain because I, I, I don't do anything. We'll just do this instead. Imposter. let's move on to some actual doppelganger accounts starting with some celebrity doppelgangers i love celebrity doppelgangers i could go for like a never mind all right uh catherine the great aka catherine the second aka kathy the pretty notable aka cat the cool had her own doppelganger experience all of those were real titles by the way duh everybody should know that yeah because she was pretty notable for those who didn't pay attention in history class, Catherine the Great was the last empress of Russia and the country's longest reigning female ruler and wrestler. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I'm horrible. I'm horrible Quit at accents. Referencing man. different podcasts. That's what I do. Uh, I could do Family Guy, just a whole bunch of uh, Family Guy. I guess like it doesn't really. People. Yeah, like some people. I guess it doesn't yeah. really matter that much. I guess you could say, what this big deal? What this big deal? <laughs> <laughs> there were a few interesting rumors and legends surrounding old Cat the Cool. But one confirmed fact was that she took quite a few lovers. Oh, between yeah. 12 and 22 by some estimates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her alleged nymphomania led to a few unfortunate rumors. No way. Nuh-uh. But if she was a dude, she would be a stud. <laughs> she was a female stud. Yeah. She was an empress and got all the... Well, I'm not going to say it because <laughs> this is family <laughs> friendly. But she got a lot of it. Let me tell you that. 
One was that she had a sex-themed room, complete with erotic furniture such as lewd statues and paintings, furniture with penises and vulva carved into them. Vulva. It's vulva, isn't it? Or is it vulva? I think vulva is the plural version plural of version vulva. Of vulva. I got you. Mm. Okay. And even tables with penis-shaped legs. <laughs> that sounds Not very gonna similar lie, to I would the mind room that you're table. in right now. That'd be like a kitchen table. I'd, yeah. I'd go for that. Yeah. It sounds very similar to the room in right now filming uh, your fan film of Doppelbanger. Exactly. Yeah. I think you just I actually, did like. I actually could use that. Will you order one for me? Yeah, no, I see. I already, I already have one on the way, so I'll just, I'll uh, just, you know, I'll just, I'll just repurchase that, make it nice and but simple. But you, you wait now. Now I'm gonna start getting ads on Facebook from Wish for <laughs> tables with penis legs. You watch. You you're, watch. You're, you're right, and you won't be disappointed <laughs> either. <laughs> one urban legend claimed that Catherine died while having sex with a horse, which of course is nothing but horse hockey. It's all a bunch of horse hockey. Not true. I was actually going to break into the song. I was going to break into the the theme song of uh, Mr. Ed. I don't know that theme song. Oh, man. Having sex with a horse is a horse, of course, of course. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah. But no, I I found this term that meant malarkey. It's called horse hockey. Horse hockey. So I had to put it in there. It's bull malarkey, horse hockey. I'm going to start using that on a daily basis now. That's horse hockey. People are going to be like, what? It just makes you, when you say you just sound older and crankier, (laughs) it's perfect. It's quite shallow and pedantic. All right. Now let's get on to her, uh, to the actual doppelganger account. All right. I just had to include the fun, some fun facts about old cat, the cool legend has it that one night in 1796, Catherine was sleeping in her bed when all of a sudden she was awoken by her servants who claimed to have just seen her in the throne room. The puzzled empress got out of bed and marched to the throne room to investigate this claim for herself. She was shocked to see an entity identical to herself sitting on her throne. (gasps) The doppelganger did not react and seemed very calm despite the situation. Catherine who no doubt was confused and possibly enraged by this imposter, ordered her sentries to shoot the ghastly trespasser. And this is where the story ends. What? No word on what happened to the doppelganger after it was shot, but Kathy died of a stroke only a few weeks after this incident. Dun, dun, dun. It's crazy, man. It's wild. I hate the end of that story. I wish I wouldn't <laughs> have read it. Yeah, I hate stories that, are, that have no resolution, no conclusion to them. It's just like if it if it was like a short film, it would be shoot the imposter and then gunshots and then it fades to black. Credits roll. Credits yeah. roll. Exactly. It says exactly. Fine. But then see, she I did. was thinking they were gonna shoot it, and then like a week later, all of a sudden she's just walking along, and all of a sudden like bullet holes just go right in her <laughs> chest. That'd be cool. That would have been cool. That'd be that. Would, that'd be, we that'd really be got. We really got to make an actual film. I mean, you you have your doppelbanger, but I've. <laughs> we're gonna make horror films. It's gonna be uh, not doppelbanger. Uh, when you're first, Dude, said, it's a, if we're gonna make a horror flick, there's got to be a couple scenes from <laughs> doppelbanger. Okay, I mean, we'll on, throw dude. those in there. You know, like you know yeah. when like subliminally, allegedly, they throw up like flashes of images in the middle of something. Like old Disney you. movies. Yeah. yeah, we can throw up images of your doppelbanger film in the middle. Of the there board. you go. <laughs> people are like, people will be like, "This is 
I feel really off put by this film, but I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but, but when you're like one night in 1796, Catherine was sleeping in her bed and I just imagine her surrounded by like a bunch of ripped dudes. Right. Just like push them out of the way so she can get up out of bed. <laughs> anyway. Sticking with historical female monarchs, our next celebrity doppelganger took the form of Queen Elizabeth I, Queen of England and the last monarch of the House of Tudor. She was the daughter of infamous infamous parents Harry VIII and Anne Boleyn. (laughs) I'm sorry. What what was her dad's name? Henry VIII. Yeah, not Harry VIII. I said Henry VIII, didn't I? You said Harry. We have it oh. recorded. I'm keeping it in. Okay. okay. She was the daughter of infamous parents Henry VIII <laughs> and Anne Boleyn, a cautious ruler and was also known as the Virgin Queen as she never married and remained childless. So the opposite of Kathy the Great. Oh, well, that wasn't even a joke. It was pretty much it. <laughs> Oh, we have okay. we have an alleged nymphomaniac and an alleged virgin. So, oh, I got you. But you know, I'll throw it in there. Yeah, yeah, all right. You're welcome. The legend goes that Elizabeth entered her chambers and encountered a person lying like that of a corpse in her own bed. Upon closer inspections, she found it was a pallid, shivered, and wan, death-like version of herself. Whatever that means. Uh, the level-headed ruler knew that this was the illest of omens. And of course, as you guessed it, Elizabeth died only a few days later at the age of 69. Nice. But nice. yes. But yeah, sounds, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to put the age, but I did. Uh, so if you couldn't tell already, this sounds familiar, doesn't You know, going into your chambers and finding a corpse of yourself on the bed? I sense a pattern. But anyway, let's move on to the next one. Percy Shelley was well known for his radical political views in his written works. Although he is usually overshadowed by his wife, also a writer, named Mary Shelley, author of a little known novel called Frankenstein. Hmm, never heard of it. Percy was always a bright but strange man. He had a gift for writing and languages, but was also bullied throughout his young life. He also developed an interest in science, performing amateur experiments with gunpowder, acids, and electricity. Sounds extremely dangerous. Uh, Most of his works, both poetry and prose, were not published during his lifetime due to his staunch atheist views, which he made no effort to hide. Percy also seemed to suffer from a mental illness throughout his life, including severe anxiety, paranoia, and even hallucinations. Shelley also suffered from physical maladies, both real and imaginary. And it was during these episodes when Shelley saw his doppelganger. One day, as Percy was strolling on the terrace of his house, he came face to a familiar face with his double. The ghostly twin actually spoke to him, cryptically asking, how long do you mean to be content? Now, obviously, Percy had a history of hallucinating, so one might write this off as exactly that. But his double was seen by others as well. His friend, Jane Williams, saw Percy pass by the window looking out on the terrace several times. But whenever Jane would go to look, no one was there. Jane was shocked to find out later that Percy was not home at all when these sightings occurred. Percy's final encounter with his doppelganger occurred on a beach where he saw himself pointing out to sea. Not long afterward, 
Percy drowned in a boating accident after encountering a storm. Percy Shelley's decomposing body washed up on a beach where it was promptly cremated. Although his quote-unquote unusually small heart did not burn and was preserved in alcohol by his weirdo friend, Edward Trelawney, who refused to give the heart back to Mary. Eventually, he surrendered the heart and it was promptly buried. Thought it said head. So, oh, wild story. Uh, he was usually small head. So, I mean, the he had an unusually small heart. Maybe I'm not sure about the side of his head. Maybe it was, <laughs> but that might point to some disease uh, of some sort. Obviously, but you know, he he definitely drowned for sure. <laughs> what what's with that question? Could you imagine encountering your ghostly double and it just asked you, "How long do you mean to be content?" Is that not like the creepiest thing ever? It's like, how long do you mean to be happy? It's like, well, well I don't know. Uh, I was, I was uh, hoping forever. Like, yeah. I'm just kind of <laughs> thinking I'd take it a day at a time, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, you know, I, I put now my shoes on. Me on the spot and everything. I'm a little bit I mean, uncomfortable. I, I never really thought about it. Like, how long do I mean to be content? <laughs> I don't have an answer for you, really. I, I was just kind of hoping, right I don't now, know. Sir, right Still now. Forever. I'm not very content right now. I'm I'm kind of terrified. <laughs> but yeah, and also his friend, he's like, I got his heart. I got his heart. And then his wife's like, oh, can I have my husband's heart back? He's like, no, no. your husband's heart is mine. <laughs> Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Finders, keepers. Loser. I pull it out of the ashes. I get to keep the heart. <laughs> Which, honestly, it's fair. Mine. You get his unusually small head. <laughs> I get his unusually small heart. Ready to break. <laughs> uh, now on to the United States to explore an encounter by an obscure American president. You've all heard of him named Abraham Lincoln. Mm, right. I don't know. Never heard of that guy either. Come on. He's on the $10 bill, man. Is he? <laughs> Got you. <laughs> uh, he's actually on the $5. Is it $5 bill? <laughs> I know he's on okay. the penny for sure. <laughs> Wait, is he not on a, a bill at all? No, I think he's on the five dollar bill. Oh, jeez! I, I know people are like these guys are stupid, but honestly, <laughs> like if if you're on the spot and you're just thinking about it, right, it might just slip you your s- mind. You start second guessing yourself. I'm really mean, exactly you're like wait, that's everything I ever known right? has been a lie. <laughs> now, President Lincoln, of course, encouraged his ghostly double. Mm, try again. No, so he didn't encourage him. He encountered him. <laughs> Now, President Lincoln, of course, encountered his ghostly double, but he had other strange occurrences as well. He had a dream that he was in his home, the White House, and walked through several rooms towards the sounds of crying. He entered into a room that had a body covered in a shroud surrounded by mourners. Dream Lincoln then asked a nearby soldier to whom the body belonged. The soldier replied, The President. Wait, why am I... The president killed by an assassin. That doesn't even sound right, huh? I mean, you said the words. Killed by an assassin. After that, Lincoln came face to face with another ill omen regarding his eventual fate and relayed the story to his associate Noah Brooks in November of 1864. It was just after my election in 1860 when the news had been coming in thick and fast all day. And there had been a great hurrah, boys, so that I was all well tired out and went home to rest, throwing myself down on a lounge in my chamber. Opposite to where I lay was a burrow with a swinging glass upon it, 
and looking in that glass, I saw myself reflected nearly at full length, but my face. I noticed I had two separate and distinct images, the tip of the nose of one being about three inches from the tip of the other. I was a little bothered, perhaps startled, and got up and looked in the glass, but the illusion vanished. On lying down again, I saw it a second time, plainer, if possible, than before. And then I noticed that one of the faces was a little paler, say, five shades, than the other. I got up and the thing melted away, and I went off, and in the excitement of the hour I forgot all about it. Nearly, but not quite. For the thing would once in a while come up, and give me a little pang as if something uncomfortable had happened. When I went home again that night, I told my wife about it, and a few days afterward I made the experiment again, when, with a laugh, sure enough, the thing came back again, but never succeeded in bringing the ghost back after that, though once I tried very industrially to show it to my wife, who was somewhat worried about it. She thought it was a sign that I was to be elected to a second term of office, and that the paleness of one of the faces was an omen that I should not see my life through the last term. Of course, as we all know, Lincoln did not survive his second term as president as he was assassinated in April of 1865 by John Wilkes Booth. Yes, he was. So we get a little bit of that encountering your corpse on a bed, as we have before, this time in a dream. And then uh, this second doppelganger encounter uh, where he was awake so he saw his own reflection, his own real reflection, and then like almost kind of like, you know, when you see a 3D image without the glasses, it's kind of like you see another like you see like a red version of the outline. Right. So similar to that, he saw like another version that was kind of overlapping his actual reflection and it was paler, more death-like and all that stuff. And of course, his wife was like, "You will be elected to a second term, but you will not live through the term." Which of course, it didn't happen. So a little bit of premonition there, me. for sure, especially with both of them combined. When he in the dream, it literally said you were killed by an assassin. And on, honestly, of all the people seeing doppelgangers, I wouldn't think Abraham Lincoln would be one of them. I enjoyed Abraham Lincoln a lot better when he was a, a vampire hunter. Yeah. I mean, he probably was. I mean, he's encountering paranormal stuff. So why not? That was a good exactly. movie, though. That was a great was movie. For sure. A good movie. Now, we'll include this in the famous doppelganger section, but he is likely the least famous person on this list, despite his contributions to both science and the arts. Uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goeth. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of him. I, heard of I don't jo- know jo- the, the Goeth name. Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> yeah, the Goeth name sounds familiar, but, you know, I've done so much like random podcast research maybe he popped up somehow right in his autobiography poetry and truth goat described traveling to the city of drusenheim to visit a young woman with whom he was having an affair scandalous emotional and lost in thought goat looked up to see a man dressed in a gray suit trimmed in gold who appeared briefly and then vanished Eight years later, Goethe was again traveling on the same road, again to visit the same woman. Eight years, wow. Eight yeah, years that's, of that's a long affair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he then realized he was wearing the very gray suit trimmed in gold that he had seen on his double eight years earlier. The memory, Goethe wrote later, 
comforted him after he <laughs> comforted, comforted, <laughs> comforted. <laughs> I love it. The memory, Goth wrote later, comforted him after he and his young love had parted at the end of the visit. So this is almost like, you know, what we mentioned earlier with the Vardoger slash Atinen, where it's like a reverse deja vu, where he, where except instead of another person experiencing it, he himself experienced it. But eight years, that's a long time, both for uh, an affair and for a doppelganger sighting. I was going to say, I don't think eight years later you would remember that, but I'm there has been times where I had deja vu that I was wondering, when did I originally, like, I've seen this before. Either, I have freaking seen this before, but I don't know when. Yeah, exactly. And he definitely experienced deja vu in the truest sense there. And either maybe he did forget about it and didn't remember it right until that moment, like with a lot of deja vu, or maybe the man made an impression on him. Maybe he was like, man, that dude is so handsome, but I can't, <laughs> he looks familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Have you ever, have you ever had moments of deja vu where you're like, somehow you have clarity of the original, the original vision. And you're like, okay, a phone's going to ring here in a minute, but then it never happens. I've had stuff similar to that, but most of my deja vu, it's like I experienced it and I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely had a dream about this. See, I've caught myself being like, okay, now the phone's going to ring. And I swear to God, if this phone rings, my head's going to explode. And then it doesn't doesn't ever end up happening. And you're like, like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Maybe that was alternate universe you in a universe where the phone did ring. True. It's a thought. Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Have you, listener, ever experienced a weird moment of dream premonition or deja vu? Hey, puppy dogs. Puppy dogs came here to be on the podcast. <laughs> Sweet puppies. But yes, send us an email if you've experienced something like that. Or if you've ever been doppelgang banged. <laughs> Maybe oh, not that. You can send those to Gary's <laughs> personal email. I'm sure he'll have a great time reading that. The last I will include in this section is that a French author, Guy de Mapousson, who wrote a short story called Le Hurla. I have no idea if that's how it's pronounced, which was about a spirit that a man unintentionally invited. And the kicker is Mapousson's doppelganger was this own story's co-author. Dr. Paul Solier explains. Mapousson had a vivid hallucination one afternoon. And told his friend of it that evening. It's not terrible. I mean, it's terrible, but like in a good way, you know? Working at his desk in his office, where his servant had orders never to enter while he was writing, he seemed to hear his door open. He turned and was not a little surprised when he himself, Mapoussant, double, entered and came to sit in front of him, head in hand, and began to dictate everything he wrote on that occasion. When he had finished and stood up, the hallucination disappeared. Guy himself confirmed this, saying, Every other time I come home, I see my double. I open my door, and I see him, sitting in my armchair, eating all of my food and all of my snacks. (laughs) I know it for a hallucination, even while experiencing it. Curious, if I didn't have a little common sense, I'd be afraid. So, that would be like me writing a podcast episode and then I see a double myself come and sit down looking disappointed in me and everything I'm writing, he's just saying at the same time or telling me what to write. 
I should say. But like, Darren, shut up. He's like, all right, Darren, for this next section, write exactly this. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to type. Uh, he starts making lame jokes and, you know. And then he's like, to- you guys are going to have a hell of a time pronouncing this part. Yeah, and trying but failing to uh, not include sexual innu- innuendos in these. But here we are. But to be <laughs> fair, there's a penis table involved in this in this episode. I had nothing to do with that. That's just what popped up. Um, now take this one with a grain of salt, as Guy himself believed it to be an hallucination brought on by his long battle with syphilis, which, mm. le- if untreated, can cause irreparable damage to the brain. Oh, I have a story about that, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> That'll be for our Patreon episode for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested, get on Patreon and become a patron today. Exactly. And I'll tell you about my uh, battle with syphilis. All right. Now let's move on to more infamous experiences by unfamous people. First one up is John Don. I think it's Dunn. John Dunn. I like the name John Don. John Don, doppelganger, experiencee, poet, and holder of the record for the most boring name. Not anymore, because we fix it. Right. He's somewhat famous, having his own Wikipedia page, but I doubt if anyone listening has heard of him. Email us if we're wrong. Yeah, I've never heard of him. Isaac Walton wrote about the encounter in his work, Life of Dr. John Don. (laughs) Never mind and described the Englishman living at a friend's house located on Drury Lane. Drury Lane? You mean the Muffin Man? I've already included the joke in the line. Oh, you're right. Possibly near <laughs> the house of the Muffin Man. <laughs> yes, he was the Muffin Man's neighbor. Also, were you going to say Dr. Long Jong Dong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I knew it. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. So, we're, so we're at his friend's house on Drury Lane. Yeah. Neighboring the Muffin Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1612, John witnessed a strange and disturbing apparition. John accompanied his friend on a trip to France to the court of the French King Henry. Is that the fourth? Fourth. Okay, fourth. Leaving his wife in England at the house on Drury Lane. After dinner one night, John was left alone in a dining room for around half an hour until a friend named Sir Robert came back to check on him. John was in a noticeably melancholy mood. John told Sir Robert that he had seen a dreadful vision. He claimed to have witnessed an apparition of his wife twice pass through the room he was sitting in, his wife and her hair hanging past her shoulders and was carrying a dead child in her arms. This was particularly disturbing as John's wife Anne was pregnant at the time. On the second pass through the room, the ghostly Anne looked him in the face and vanished. You guys will never guess where this is heading. Sir Robert suggested that John fell asleep and had a nightmare, but John swore he had been awake this entire time. The next day, John sent a messenger back to England to check on the health of his wife and unborn child. When the messenger finally returned, he reported that Anne had given birth to a stillborn child. The very same night, that John witnessed the apparition. Dun, dun, dun. Told you you would have no idea. He had a vision of uh, his wife, his pregnant wife carrying a dead child, and then it came true. I don't think I put it in here, but this is the next oh. doppelganger instance. Oh, oh, okay, my bad. Just, just to clarify. Go ahead. Okay. 
During the 1620s in the territory of New Spain, what is now Texas and Mexico, the Jumano Indian tribe were requesting Christian missionaries to settle in their lands. Meanwhile in Spain, Mary of Jesus of Agrida claimed that she would often be transported by the aid of angels to visit the Jumano Indians while her physical body remained in Spain. This angel transport service took place between 1620 and 1623 and is now known as Uber. <laughs> I was going to say uh, like Allegiant Airlines. Yeah, that would probably been better. Anyways, missionaries <laughs> were finally sent to this area of New Spain and a mission was erected in the territory of the Jumanos in 1629. I would, <laughs> like, to, I would like to clarify we're not being sponsored by Allegiant. Right. Not yet. Or, or Uber. Or Uber. Uh, Spanish missionary Alonso de Benavides asked the natives why they were so eager to be baptized and why they requested missionaries. They replied that they were visited by a beautiful lady in blue and showed Alonso a painting of a woman in a blue nun's habit. A blue nun's habit. Mm-hmm. I guess the, I don't know what, what they wear. Is. That's that's called a habit. They're oh. like a little nun uniform. Right, like on Sister Act. Sure. <laughs> no. I'll just pretend to know. I know what you're referencing. Oh, man. You got to see that movie, dude. I know. You've got a ton of movies you need to see, and I've got a ton of movies I need to see. We, all, we both have our lists. Right. The Jumanos explained that this lady told them to seek help from the missionaries. This gave credence to Mary of Agrita's claims of visiting the Americas, all while her actual body remained in Spain. Unexpectedly, the Spanish Inquisition investigated these matters but took no action against Mary. Did you, After did you see death, what I did there? Uh, About the Spanish, Spanish Inquisition? They unexpectedly investigated these matters. You know why? Because mm. nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. Okay. It's just another that's, reference you don't get. Uh, well, let's yeah, move that's on. What I that's, that's too Monty smart. Monty Python. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> After her death, Mary was declared venerable venerable mm-hmm. by the catholic church canonized as a servant of god and in the running to be recognized as a saint man this this episode is just a train wreck we're trying to make jokes I know. But neither of us get the references of what those jokes are to i'm just not smart enough that's what it is. <laughs> yes you have to have a high iq to watch money right. <laughs> of all the theories this is definitely an example of bilocation where she is in spain but she also appears in this territory. And so it was very rare, I'm sure at the time, uh, for the natives to be like, please missionaries, come here and teach us the ways of the Christ. Because usually they're like, "Uh, please stay away and stop killing us, please. Not that the missionaries would kill, not intentionally anyway, but you know, disease is a thing. Uh, So they they were very confused when they're like, why are you requesting missionaries? Why are you requesting baptism? You shouldn't know about this yet because no missionaries have ever made it to you yet. But they did through the Angel Airline Service. But this seemed more like a conscious thing that Mary was doing. She would like sit down and pray, and then the angels would take, I guess, her spirit over, and she would witness to the Indians. I was thinking when you were talking about this, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Now I understand why I don't understand any of this. It's because my history is god-awful. We were talking about math earlier. My history is even worse. Like I know nothing about the Spanish Inquisition or any of that. So 
Well, yeah, it, that is, it was a reference to his skit, so you wouldn't even have to know anything about the Inquisition for you to get the. I know, but you literally, when you were just talking just a minute ago, you were talking about like real stuff in history, and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, you know, I don't know anything about history either. Like all this stuff, everything I write for this podcast, I usually learn as I'm researching. It's not like, oh yes, I mean, there have been some where I'm like, oh yeah, I've been, I'm familiar with this, but most of it's just been like, hey, I don't know about this. This is what this podcast is about, Gary. We learn together. And hopefully our listeners learn too. Hopefully we're just not spewing the same thing as every other paranormal podcast. But anyway, moving on. Now, so far, every doppelganger has been a fleeting vision. Here one moment and gone the next. And usually witnessed by only one or two people. Our next story is far more tangible. And if true, may be the best case of doppelgangery ever. This is a tale relayed to author. Robert Dale Owen by Julie von Goldenstube, daughter of Baron von Goldenstube, who attended an elite boarding school in 1845, where she witnessed the doppelganger of a teacher, Emily Seiji. Emily Seiji uh, was a young teacher with a good reputation among both students and faculty. But curiously, this school, Pensionat von Wolwick, was Emily's 19th workplace in the last 16 years. For some reason, Emily couldn't seem to keep a job for very long, a reason that would soon become clear. Not long after starting at the school, Emily was teaching a class of 17 girls and was writing on the board, when suddenly a projection-like entity appeared beside the teacher, seemingly mocking her by imitating her movements. This doppelganger was witnessed by everyone in the class, everyone but Emily herself. After the first incident, Emily's non-tangible twin appeared frequently at the school, and this phenomenon was witnessed by nearly everyone. The doppelganger would be seen sitting and eating by Emily while Emily was working. One time, Emily was helping one of her students with a dress. When the student looked down, she saw two Emilys fixing the dress. The student fainted from the shock. One day, a class of 42 girls could see out their sewing classroom and notice Emily working in the garden. When the sewing teacher stepped out for a bit, Emily walked in and sat down at the teacher's desk. The students thought nothing of it until one student pointed out that they could still see Emily working in the garden. The students were likely equal parts perplexed and terrified at seeing the two Emilys at once. One student bravely approached the doppelganger sitting in the classroom. The student reached out and tried to touch the apparition, but her hands went right through the false Emily. And the student described the feeling like running through a bulk of cobwebs. I really like that description because it's it's uh, it's different than the old cliche of uh, it was just ice cold. It was cold, yeah. And this is uh, ice cold. We, you know, like cobwebs. There's not much resistance, but there's still resistance there. Right. So this implies more of a tangible physical presence than say, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, like you just run your hand through like a hologram, and it, but it's cold. And this, and it's actually like a creepier to me. I don't know why I'm just imagining like, you know, like a ghost feeling like cobwebs. It just seems. Well, because creepy. it's actually describing like a, uh, you're, you're getting like, you can think about and you're getting the feeling as well as like the, the, the fact that there, there would be something like slowing your hand down almost. Exactly. The resistance is there. Right. The resistance. Even, so that, very that, little me, of that's it. Just, that's a lot creepier than just, Oh, it's cold right here. It's kind of like swimming in a cold, lake and all of a sudden you hit a warm spot you know you're just like okay. right you also can't like oh i just hallucinated that because you actually felt it right you felt the thing 
it's not like the incident itself isn't creepy, but I mean, it's kind of creepy, but this is definitely the creepiest part for me. Emily was questioned about this incident and explained that she had an urge to go into the classroom for some reason, but never actually did. So maybe she was subconsciously like by locating. She's like, maybe I should go to the classroom and I'll say it here. But then her doppelganger was like, was a manifestation of that urge to go into the classroom almost. Because it seems like Emily herself is like subconsciously making this as opposed to like an entity like imitating her. But it definitely seems like it's like projection of some sort to me. Emily herself never saw her doppelganger, only being aware of its existence due to others witnessing it. Probably a good thing because, you know, as we read in previous folklore, seeing your doppelganger is bad luck. She was at a loss and likely irritated at her cobwebby twin as her constant job hops were due to this paranormal phenomenon. It was said that when the doppelganger appeared, Emily seemed tired and lethargic, but would return to normal when the entity disappeared. I was going to say shout out back to the uh, the episode about the um, the alternate universes, you know, like the the one where the, the yeah. guy was yelling at his girlfriend or, or she was yelling at him. No, she was yelling at him. And he was like, what the hell? Like she was just happy. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? But then yeah. when he questioned her about it later, she had, she was like, I didn't yell at you. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, it could, and it could be that it could be like some alternate universe bleeding through. Like, cause she, when she was in the garden, she had, she made a decision. She was, and there was two possibilities. One, either go to the classroom or two, stay in the garden. And she made the decision to stay in the garden. Maybe some alternate universe. She made the decision to go into the classroom and it somehow manifested in this mm-hmm. universe, you know? i need to put that one back into right Um, but also you know it said emily seemed tired and lethargic whenever her doppelganger appeared that also lends credence to that it's like a psychic ability because it's almost like draining her energy or maybe Mm -hmm. if we're going to go with the alternate universe theory that it's like it's like sapping her energy in order to appear in this and on this planet of existence this would be a good part of the episode if you were like hi to talk about you know? <laughs> yeah, man. now modern encounters are much different compared to the ones we have covered so far and are much more sinister modern doppelganger folklore has evolved into evil entities who imitate the living in order to deceive that person's loved ones and gain their trust what their motives are exactly is unclear but i think it's safe to assume that they don't have our best interest in mind Probably not. Let's look at some modern encounters with these ghostly doubles. It's finally time to return to Spooky Stories. Spooky Stories. Ah, it's good to play that transition again. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get started with some spooky stories. The first one comes to us from Reddit user G4YF13R1. I have titled it, The Beckoning. When I was nine, I stayed home sick from school. I distinctly remember that I wasn't actually sick, simply playing hooky to avoid bullying. Kids are cruel. As I did that a lot around that age. I awoke from a nap, turned on the TV in our living room, and scrolled through some channels when my mother suddenly leaned over the bar and stared at me without saying anything. I had been awake for a few minutes at this point, so I can't rightly blame sleep paralysis for all of this. Now, whatever this thing was, 
it was entirely identical to my actual mother. It sounds weird to describe, but it's as if the only difference was that this thing was pretending to be my mom had never felt a single emotion in its life. It was unsettling. It beckoned me, and I attempted to talk to her as I would my mother. She kept beckoning, refused to answer, and that's when I sensed something horribly wrong. This whole scenario felt disgustingly familiar, but I'll get into that later. Naturally, I started screaming at this thing to answer me. It just kept beckoning. I bolted, running out of the room and into the yard yelling for help. My mother, the real one, had been working out in the yard and came rushing over. I told her what I had just seen and she sued me with easy explanations that it must have been a fever dream, but thankfully stayed by my side the rest of the afternoon as I was a nervous wreck. Now this whole thing was familiar because I had seen this doppelganger before. I don't have the best memory in the world, I couldn't tell you a single other dream I had from my childhood, but I do remember one distinctly in great detail. I must have been about 6 or 7 when I had it, just a few years before I had my waking life experience with this… thing. In the dream, the doppelganger stood over my sleeping mother's body. I tried to wake her, somehow knowing that this was the real her, although they looked entirely identical. The other mother didn't speak, just beckoned. Not knowing what else to do, I followed, trusting blindly in the way that only children do. She led me down a hallway that didn't exist in my home, into a plain white room where she stood in the corner and watched, expressionless, as a hulking dark shape skinned my body with an axe. Now I may have had a pretty f***ed up childhood, but this was an abnormal dream for any child that age, abused or not. I feel now as if it was a warning. Things aren't always what they look like. I often wonder, if I never had that dream, what would happen if I had followed the doppelganger when she beckoned me. Once again, we have some common themes here. We have almost a deja vu kind of thing, where it's like, this thing feels familiar, like I've experienced it before. So we definitely got the deja vu in there. And we almost got a little dream premonition as well, because this person originally dreamed of, of the doppelganger. And it, and it went from like pretty creepy to over the top with, you know, a shadowy shape skinning the body with an axe. At that point, right. it kind of lost me. I was like, oh, I was like really engrossed in this. I was like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> cartoonish, but you know, it is a dream. So what you do know. you think would have happened had they followed it? Pretty sure uh, that person would have got skinned with an axe. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it is almost like this dream was almost a warning. It's like, uh, when this person saw their mother could almost immediately tell that something was off. Whereas if this person didn't have the dream, maybe it would just follow the beckoning. And I'm assuming by beckoning, it just means like, you know, doing the come here motion with your finger or something like right. that, or like, like waving walking, you over with a hand or something like that light or whatever. But yeah. So if your mom or someone else close to you, just starts doing the little gesture to come here. It doesn't say anything, no matter what you say, don't follow it. You're definitely about to get skinned with an axe <laughs> for sure. hundred percent. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. You are about to get skin with an axe. And if you decide to do so, we are not responsible. We are not responsible. We gave you the warning. I mean, getting, if getting skin with an axe is your thing. I mean, more power to you. I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, that's just me. All right. Now from one parent to the other, our next story is from a Reddit user with a much more easier name, much simpler name. Geobite. 
Yeah. It is simply titled Doppelganger. I remember one Sunday morning, my brother and I were watching Card Captor Soccer on TV, and someone knocked on the door. We lived in an apartment that was empty. The owner hadn't rented the second floor. It was a two bedroom apartment, a kitchen, and a bathroom by the door. Small apartment, but with a big window that faces out to the door. So when I heard someone knock, I checked the window and I saw my father and I went to the door to open it. When I was going to unlock the door, my mother pulled me away and screamed at me to not open the door because I didn't know who it was. I told her I saw my dad. She freaks out, goes to the window and checks, and then checks the peephole. She started to get terrified and she said to go to the farthest room in the apartment and to not come out. She went and woke up my dad. My dad got up angry and confused. We told him what we saw and the man was still knocking on the door. My dad screams, Who is it? No answer. My dad said he will call the cops, but nothing. We saw while my dad was busy screaming at the man, he was just standing still in front of the door. So my mom took us to the farthest room from the door while my dad got ready to open the door with a metal bat. Once he did, the man was gone. My dad goes out looking everywhere around the apartment. The apartment door was a heavy metal door and we always heard when someone came in and out, but we heard nothing that morning or nothing when my dad opened the door. We heard no footsteps either, but my brother, my mother, and I saw that that man looked exactly like my father. So I didn't, I didn't know that this person's dad was the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> Who is it? Me, five, four, five. <laughs> Who is it? I t- Who is it? You woke me up from. God dang it! You woke me up from my nap, <laughs> and now you're going to pay with this metal bat. <laughs> but yeah, here it's a it's a more interesting case because it's not just appearing to the person's imitating. We see a whole family saw this entity that was seemingly trying to imitate the dad. It also reminds me of like the black eyed children, how it's like imitating oh. something that it's not in order Mm -hmm. to gain permission to enter the domain of this family. So it's like, if I, if I disguise myself with the dad, they'll definitely let me in because you know, I'm supposed to belong here. So, but isn't it funny how like, I kind of believe this in a way because like the fact that these kids are completely oblivious, like their dad is home and they know they obviously would know that he is home. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they would. But it's like, if you just see your dad at the door, you're like, oh, well, I guess my dad's outside now. Yeah, I guess my dad's outside. I mean, the last time I, you know, I I thought he was sleeping in the other room, but but whatever, I guess. No, no, I, yeah, I, I I could definitely see this happening and it it is kind of, it, once again, it is terrifying. I mean, could you imagine like Daxton, your son sees you at the door and tries to let you in, but you're actually sleeping in the other room. Right. Whatever it is. I mean, I think it's safe to assume that it's bad. We don't know for sure, but uh, I think it's better safe than sorry. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. But guess what? What? That's it. Woo. All the doppelgangers and doppelgangbangers and doppelbangers. Yeah. Everything you can handle (laughs) and probably more. Hopefully this episode didn't leave you seeing double. But, uh, yeah. All right. Now let's get into some listener mail. Woo! Yeah. 
Robert B. writes concerning a debate we had in the Fearsome Critters episode with the subject line, Darren is a dingbat. I mean, he ain't wrong. All right. Mm. So Robert says, sorry about the subject line. That was just for Gary. About the dingbat drinking the oil, you guys had a debate. And both of you guys are correct. The oil filter does hold oil. And I could see the dingbat punching a hole in it with its antler. A lot of oil would drain out if he did that, and the remaining oil he could use the filter like a straw and suck it out. And the oil pan holds the majority of the oil, but it's made out of metal, and at the bottom of all cars, made to take some beating, but not impossible to puncture it, although it would take some serious force to get it. But hypothetically, if he was to get a hole in it at all, the oil for the car would drain out, but the filter would still hold a lot of oil in it. So I would say the filter method I could see happening more than the oil pan, but who am I to question the strength of its antlers? I also love the hoop snake. I play a lot of RuneScape and it has that snake in the game. You can kill one and take its body and roll them around to other players like a weird hula hoop game. Didn't know it was actual myth. Thank you guys for the work y'all do. It's great entertainment. Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you. uh, Thank you for the kind words and thank you for writing in. I don't exactly remember which of us was on what side of that debate. (laughs) Because I think think we're debating which would be better to pierce the oil filter itself or the oil pan and whether or not the oil filter held oil. But... But I, I like to say that I'm the right one, so I, think, I would I think, think that I would think <laughs> that if either of us didn't realize that oil filter held oil, we'd both be dorks. I mean, we're, we are dorks, so I'm yeah, glad sure. that someone was able to. to but I like uh, to think of myself a little bit more intelligent than that. I don't know. Anyways, it depends on the day for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm 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 glad someone more knowledgeable than us about you know the inner workings of a car was able to write in and uh, set the record straight. So once again, thank you, Robert, for writing in. Thank you for listening. You're awesome. I I like to say you know the best people in the world are the ones that listen to Sniper Podcast. Robert, you rule, dude. You You do, in fact, rule. And I like I like the little thing about RuneScape. I surprisingly, as big as a nerd as I am, I never played RuneScape, so I didn't know like the hoop snake was like a little item in the game that you could like roll back and forth. I try it, and the hoop snake is like it's an enemy. Yeah, it's like the the um I believe it's like one of them like level one enemies. You know, like I get you. They're just kind of just kind of get used to the game, you know. But I didn't like it. (laughs) Well, well, when did you try it? It was on mobile, but I, but then again, I like hate mobile games. So, so you tried it recently. Um, you weren't like one of the OG players of RuneScape. Right. Right. I think it's one of the things you gotta be, you gotta play like RuneScape when it first came out to really enjoy it. I think those are the people right. that still play RuneScape to this day. Kind of like the same people who play Diablo and stuff like that. Exactly. Although I might play the next Diablo. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead. And, uh, there was a 12 way tie in the Patreon poll for the subject of the next episode. It's like there's only like one person voting or something, but there's more than one patron. So if you guys can go vote, that would be amazing. I'm talking to you patrons and future patrons. So I have a little uh, wheel spinning app on my phone and I've loaded it with the 12 options and whatever it lands on will be the next episode. You ready, Gary? I am so ready. Here we go. Let's see if I can get the audio. Oh, that was loud. All right, Gary, (laughs) are you ready for the next topic? I am ready. We are going to be discussing the Tokolosh. You're familiar with the Tokolosh, aren't you, Gary? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if I remember correctly, Tokolosh are little like 
African zombie gremlin guys who are pretty uh, uh, pretty into sexual assault. So that we might put an explicit warning on that episode, okay. but it should be an interesting one nonetheless, and is uh, definitely true folklore. So I'm excited. I'm down. Yeah, because uh, if I remember correctly, Tokolosh are like created by like actual warlocks. So it's like pretty D&D. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be uh, dying so much when it's time to do that episode and I'm actually <laughs> yeah. working a normal 40 hour week. Yeah. Do you see that happening anytime soon? I, I hope so. I don't know how long I can. <laughs> so you didn't have a choice in this? I, you were just kind of like, hey. I keep doing this. But yeah. It sounds like it sucks. Oh, I mean, you know, like like people say, oh, but you're gonna, at least you're making a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but. That only they, yeah, that it, only helps so much. It is kind of true when they say money is not everything. I mean, money is nice. It really is. Oh, yeah. But it gets to a point where it's like, I would spend money to have time <laughs> for myself. Exactly. You got to have a yeah. balance for sure. Right. But anyways, as I always say, if you guys uh, like the show mm-hmm. and uh, everything like that, you know what to do. Please leave a review if wherever you listen allows you to do so. Spotify now lets you leave ratings. So that's as good a spot as any Apple podcast. Give us as many stars as possible and leave a comment on why you like the show. Yeah. And if you can't you be bothered, it. yeah, if you can't be bothered to do it, just have a doppelganger do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. And please follow us on social media. Send us a message about anything. We'd love to hear from you guys. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and the very popular TikTok. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Our TikTok is booming because Gary's just putting booming. out TikToks and left yeah. and right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go viral any moment. I can feel yeah. it. Going viral is really easy when you just, you know, don't post anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the The links to most of those are in the show notes on the episode. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, like Gary said, email us about anything. I would love to hear about how wrong we are. So if you have a correction, just let us know. Just like Robert did. Thank you, Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminder that this episode was a patron voted episode. So check out our tiers on Patreon to see if you are interested in voting for future episodes and or if you're interested in the bonus content we have there, including early access to episodes via our raw and uncut versions. Uh, just a reminder, our raw and uncut versions are uh, not edited, so we still have all the uhs and ums and uh, probably the more inappropriate things that I usually cut mm-hmm. out of, the, out of mm-hmm. the episode. All of our mistakes. Naughty words. Totally raw, totally uncut. The only, I mean, you still get like the good sound quality and all that, but that's it. Uh, and you get them early. So actually, I will be posting it to the Patreon as soon as we get done recording tonight. little special treat for our patrons. And I also just did another creepypasta reading and I have another one recorded and going to post next week. We're getting more and more bonus bonus audio every day. So and as usual, if you have a topic suggestion, a question, comment, criticism, or if you have a story about doppelgangers or anything else, you know what to do. Contact us on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com and let us know if you'd like to hear your story in one of our encounters episodes. Yep, yep, yep. So let's end on the final joke. Oh boy. <laughs> yep, everyone's favorite. Not cringy at all. All right, Gary. Did you know that I have an albino doppelganger? I did not. Oh, okay. He's a pale imitation of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
Tonight, we met many doppelgangers, ghosts, psychic projections, bilocating persons, hallucinations, and possibly even malicious entities. But beware the one doppelganger you definitely don't want to meet, the one of yourself. So keep an eye on the reflection in the mirror, as the thing staring back at you might just be frightening folklore. <laughs> Once again, we want to go. thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Got the it. Listening has Nailed been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under fair use. The music you have heard, you have heard in, this in this episode was composed by, by Mayu, 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 and Festival Studios. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and hopefully see you on the next hunt. There you go. Oh, no, no, don't play again. Not the door again. <laughs> I actually like that uh, ending where I read over myself. It was very doppelganger. <laughs> that, was, that was a good idea. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't even mean to do it. I was just doing it as a joke, and I was like, oh, wow, this <laughs> the episode so bad. All right, I'm going to stop recording.